Oh, this would be a good one. Really? I think it's really time. Really, I didn't think it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna make it. Ah. What are you doing? I can't get it right. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, welcome to Ben Sunday School, starring Ben Gillette. My name is Michael Goodell, Matt Donnelly, Penn, and I. We're broadcasting from Show Creator Studios, South in Las Vegas. Gearbox's new virtual reality game, Pen and Teller, frankly unfair, unkind, unnecessary, and underhanded is coming out this week. Also, a new season of Foolish Begins, and the guys are appearing on Jimmy Fallon this week. Maybe we'll just talk about Penn's trip to Newfoundland. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Well, you kind of, uh, yeah, preaching love. You kind of buried the lead. Well, I, I, there's just too much. Oh, uh, yeah. There's no... Um, the, the lead is buried under an avalanche. There was no Penn and Teller show last night. There was no Penn and Teller show. The that lights night. were dark in the Penn and Teller. Yeah, they were. Night. It was it was freaky, and um, you know we don't cancel shows easily. Right. Yes, I am. And uh, I canceled this show because Teller was doing badly. We had, you know, I always hear these stories. You, you let Teller off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> There's always Thanks, these uh, stories. You know, the Smothers Brothers. Uh, things always go well for Tommy. They always go bad for Dickie. Right. Just the way it goes. They go in for the same surgeries. Tommy comes out. He's running around in, you know, two days. Dickie's got complications. That's that's the general feeling about those guys, you know? Right, right, right. And uh, I'd like to think that in Penn and Teller, I'm the Tommy Smothers. Things go well for me. We took a two-week. Now, Teller's been begging, begging for a two-week vacation off the Penn and Teller show for five years. Yeah. Begging for it. Saying this is stupid, we got to take the time off. Da -da 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 I need a rest. We're overworked. I say whatever. Okay, right. So finally, uh, we make the time. Glenn works it out. You know, eight months notice, six months notice, whatever. And we're gonna have two weeks off. Now I decide to go to Newfoundland. Yes, you did. Because those are uh, where my people are from, and also where Emily's people are from. And probably with the same Gillette surname back a while ago. So we are inbred like the Moose of Newfoundland. <laughs> by the way, the Moose of Newfoundland are inbred. Um, there are, now this was told to me by one guy in Newfoundland, ah, yeah. and then falsely ah. remembered by me. So right. there's no accuracy to this. But what I was told was they started with two breeding pair, yeah. which would be four moose or meeses. Right. And, um, they were brought to Newfoundland in 1910 or 1909. 1904. 1904. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty close. I got it. I that's think I got good. it up. I got it up. For Penn Sunday School, that's a correct answer. And now there are 120,000 moosinators on that island. There are moose <laughs> everywhere and moose pictures everywhere. And moose are like a big thing, but not indigenous. Of course, nothing is indigenous, right? Right. I mean, if you go back far enough, nothing's indigenous. But um, but the moose are there. But so my uh, my uh, grandmother-in-law, my mother-in-law's mother, coincidentally, uh, died this year uh, at the age of ninety-nine years old, and she is the one who uh, came from Twillinggate mm -hmm. um, all those years ago. She left when she was five, and she was ninety-nine. So you know, many many years ago, she left Newfoundland. Right. Uh, but I, I believe my grandmother-in-law is also from Newfoundland. Is that true? Yeah, I believe Ruby Keeler is from Newfoundland. Is that true? How great is that? And all of the Cajuns, right? Right. 
that there are Acadians came from Newfoundland, thrown out of Newfoundland, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were more Montreal, but they're Newfoundland? I think Newfoundland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right, because my people stayed and your people went when yeah. it was warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we need to know. So um, I went to Newfoundland and I had a wonderful time, as we'll talk about. We um, scattered or sank, I guess is the right word, my, uh, my uh, grandmother-in-law's ashes in uh, Twillingate Sound. Okay. Uh, right near an iceberg, which was a an emotional and beautiful event. I bet. And uh, we went and saw 600,000 puffins. We saw two minke whales and a partridge. <laughs> um, we saw a lot of puffins, a lot of minke whales. Two is How a lot. you know a minke? Do you have a license for your minke? A beautiful minke whale. We also, uh, and this is really, really funny. We had a running joke in the family of looking for moose because everybody says you see moose all the time, all the time in Newfoundland. Right. You just see moose, nothing but moose, all the time, moose, moose, moose. And last time we were there, when we went on our honeymoon, we never saw moose, ever. So we thought they were just lying to us. So this time, I sat, uh, Emily did the driving, I sat for four hours, uh, my mother-in-law and I, on different checking out different sides, staring into this beautiful greenery, looking for a moose. Now, my mother-in-law said she saw two mooses, and those were imaginary, and she's crazier than a shithouse rat. <laughs> so we didn't believe that for a second. And I said to her politely, not, you're crazier than a shithouse rat, but yeah. just said, okay, I'd like to see the moose too before we count that as a moose. And then we made this joke about they come out mostly at dusk because they're not uh, nocturnal. They're capuchual, capuchular, combustible, which means- <laughs> Combustible. Combustible. <laughs> they run on gasoline. Yeah. They come out at dawn and at dusk. So it's a long dusk oh, in Newfoundland now. A long this dusk. This time of year, it's mostly dusk. <laughs> yeah, mostly dusk. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And over by Gander Airport, where they most likely are, there's danger moose signs everywhere. And That's, we kept danger moose. DJ, right? Danger moose is the DJ. <laughs> Less successful, but it, and I like so we, his outfit though. <laughs> we were saying every moment, come on, moose, hey moose, come on, moose, hey moose, let's go. I mean, for four and a half hours, let's look for a moose. Let's look for a moose. And finally we were two out two miles from home. Yeah. And I said where we were staying, our hotel. Yeah. Two miles from there. And Emily said, Listen, Moose, this is your last chance. And all of a sudden, Right in the middle of the road, moose. <laughs> kind of a uh, mangy, funky, small female moose. Do the female moose not have antlers? I think they do. Not. I was not looking at the moose's genitalia. I was just going by the antlers. <laughs> and I say female. I was not looking at moose cock and saying, oh, missing. There you go. So we saw the moose. Okay, so I came back. We also took a um, five-and-a-half-mile hike, which is listed as one of the most beautiful hikes in the world on every site called like skirmash or something, some weird name up around the coast, a very hard, uh, hard hike, but all along cliffs, which Emily wouldn't let me go out on the cliffs. And then I wait till she <laughs> went by. Then I go out on the cliffs cause she's worried about me falling and I'm okay with falling. So I was looking off the cliffs and the five of us took the whole hike. It was just beautiful. And I came back even after four and a half hour time difference. And yes, a half. Newfoundland's a half hour off for the rest of the world. There's one South American country and one Middle Eastern country that are 15 minutes off, but they're a half hour off. Yeah. Four and a half hours off. Moose and 
hiking in the wilderness, and I came back refreshed and feeling great. Taylor went to Florence, Italy. Wow. Okay. He went to Florence, Italy. Nine hours. So that was exactly half the thing of him. Okay. A lot of moose in there as well? Uh, actually, <laughs> moose were not mentioned. Okay. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci was mentioned. Michelangelo <laughs> David, was mentioned. A little bit of David. <laughs> moose were uh, conspicuous in their absence from Florence. But Teller walked on cobblestones. Ah. Uh. It turns out if you walk on cobblestones for five days and you're not used to it, you get tendonitis in your hips. Oh, shit. And it's incredibly painful. Incredibly painful. So I got a message uh, on when I cut back on Thursday that Teller was doing very, very badly. Which, when I first hear that message, there's a small amount of joy. <laughs> you, that's, you have to admit it. That's okay. I'm doing better than Teller. Good. Good. <laughs> and I know for exhaustion, I don't have to beat the exhaustion. It should be Teller. If Teller collapses before <laughs> me, I get time off. So Friday, we were getting sent in a private plane to Wendover to do the pepper mill there. And Teller showed up on the plane looking like death warmed over. He was like limping and, and it was awful. Oh, man. So he got to sound check and went over. And Teller kept saying he was getting better, but not giving any evidence of that. We did the sound check and Teller decided to sit on a stool for like two of the bits. He did like a circle stop and another one like sitting on a stool. Wow. And then he didn't go to the audience to get audience members. He pointed and Glenn helped him up, right? And then we cut one bit where you had to move around too much. And it was, we did a fine show. But at one point during surveillance, we're doing the uh, password reading, Teller actually crouched and sat on the floor for a moment because his, his hips were so bad. Oh, my gosh. So it was pretty intense. That seems serious. And Teller said he was feeling better. And then I got a message Saturday morning from Glenn saying, Teller's not doing better. So a doctor came over and gave him some uh, – some shot of something Cortisone, yeah. plus some goofballs yeah, you know, of course. for the pain. And he was all hopped up on goofballs and he had Goof. this, and he had this, uh, <laughs> injection in, in his hip and, uh, got to be uh, near showtime and Teller was doing really badly. And Glenn and Teller were arguing over, should we cancel shows? Teller didn't want to. Da, 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 da. And finally, this is an amazing thing. Penn stepped up. Penn never steps up. I know. You've never seen it. No, I, in fact, I, you said that Glenn and Teller were fighting back and forth. I pictured you in the room smiling and not filming it secretly with your phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? I can tell you what happened. What's that? Pine trees. Pine trees. You, in, the, in the presence of pine trees, you have become a man. <laughs> I, uh, so I called Teller and said, how you doing, baby? And he said, I'll do it. But if I think if I walk around a little bit, I'll be better. I'll be okay by the show. I said, well, don't worry about being okay with the show because the shows are canceled. He said, I talked to Glenn. I said, no, no, I'm on the sign too. I cancel the shows tonight and tomorrow. He said, I, 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 have, I, I probably get better. when I, I said, they're canceled, so don't worry. You can try to get better or try not to get better. Go back to bed. Doesn't matter. They're canceled. Okay. So I just did that unilaterally. Sorry. Well done. done. And he said, well, how are they going to get back the tickets? And are they gonna? I said, just walk away. Or I guess just limp away. <laughs> and he said, thank you. And I hung up and then it went through the hell of canceling the show. And you told me, because I didn't know yeah. that some people on Twitter were unkind. Is that right? Did you see the guy said, I came all this way to see my heroes and now they're not working. And he goes, well, they'll refund the ticket prices. Well, they're not going to refund the flights and stuff. And I, I feel like, didn't you say you're heroes? 
<laughs> Do I not tell care you, about the well-being of your hero. I got to tell you, Teller would have done the show. Yeah, and it would have sure. fucked him up forever. Yeah, I mean the pain he was in. I mean, I enjoy Teller in pain. I really do, but it crossed a line. Yeah, so I didn't even enjoy it, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to be really in pain before I enjoy it, before I don't enjoy it. Right, right, right. And I was made a little uncomfortable by his pain. Yeah, but not as uncomfortable as made by somebody stealing my fucking peanut butter. But that's a whole different story. Wait a minute. I have a jar of peanut butter backstage for my treat after the show. Yeah. It's my Scooby snack, and I just like precious. I go. I float the air after eat my peanut butter. <laughs> I hug myself. Yeah. I do all that. I came back and I, uh, uh, the peanut butter was gone. I said, okay, who took my peanut butter? And I said to all the guys in our crew, okay, everybody, strip, bend over, show me your prison wallets. <laughs> I want to see who stuck my peanut butter up their ass because I want it. And uh, not, nobody fessed up. I think it might have been local. I don't know. We always blame local. You know, we blame the local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we canceled the show. And um, you're sure it wasn't because the peanut butter was missing? Okay. The show was canceled, put it that way. Uh, uh, and we canceled. I can't find my peanut butter. Also, I think Teller's got something going on with his hip. <laughs> Show's canceled. I ate, I was already at the theater, I ate supper there. Had my supper delivered. Sat back there was Jonesy, talking about Dylan stuff, and uh, uh, Zeke came in and said, "Listen, we don't have to cancel the show. Just not have Teller do it. You go out there, <laughs> play bass, and go out, tell a few jokes, do a few card tricks. We're done. We're all set. We're all here. Just go do it." <laughs> <laughs> then I just kind of went home, watched TV, and I'm afraid to have too much fun, like. You missed the perfect opportunity of testing the theory that everyone sitting next to you is Teller. <laughs> I could have called you. Yeah. He could have just put- Either of us would have shown up. Put a good dough in a suit. <laughs> just done all the tricks you know. I, I didn't know Teller could unicycle. <laughs> well, even when he has his bad hip. <laughs> Boy, Teller sure giggles a lot. Doesn't say anything. <laughs> well, once in a while he go, hey, boom. <laughs> um uh, and you know, I'm really glad, which is, uh, I'm now going to uh, accuse you. Okay. Probably. I wouldn't have even known there was anything negative on Twitter if not for you. Oh, you You said, hope that Twitter stuff isn't bumming you out. <laughs> what? Um, but people were overall kind. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a few people that I, I'm always just surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh People, I don't understand that people treat social media differently than uh, a conversation. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. I'm not surprised by it. I've seen enough evidence that that's not the way it works. Yeah. But yeah, I agree that people just say crazy shit that I'm like, would you have said that to his face? I'll tell you, I, I, I as with all our kidding and all our talking, yeah. um, I, I do need to say that uh, Teller or I, we do not cancel shows, right? Uh, for light reasons. This is not, you know, this is not Sly in the Family Stone. It's not Stevie Wonder. You know, um, this is had to be bad. Yeah. And I'm trying to make light of it and joke around, but Teller's suffering, and we're very hopeful that tendonitis goes away on his own. It should, and that he should uh, be okay for Fallon on Tuesday, right? But now I've got tonight with nothing to do. I was thinking maybe I go down to Fremont Street. 
sit in the Starbucks like I like. But anybody's got any fun going on, invite me. All right. Okay, if you got anything going on. I mean, I got it's weird. I get nothing. Um, but I do want to tell you about this. Do it. Do <laughs> That's what I get to do today. If you're looking to lose weight, keeping track with an advanced smart scale can help. If you like to track activity and not look like a dink, having an advanced <laughs> activity tracker inside a real watch is pretty cool. This watch, what does it look like to you? That look like some sort of uh, fitness not, tracker? No way. Nice. Looks like a classy Classy. You do not watch. seem dinkish at all. <laughs> no. Right now, you can get 25 cents. 25 cents. 25 no. cents off. 25% <laughs> off select Withing Smart Scales and hybrid smart watches. Interested? You can find all the details on the new offers, the exclusive coupon code, and handy link right on pensundayschool.com. Pensundayschool.com. The link is right there. Coupon. Coupon. I say coupon. That's not right, right? Mm. It's coupon. Not coupon. Go to pensundayschool.com, look for the Withing stuff, and take advantage now, unless you're driving, in which case, pull over and then do it. Oh, and remember, <laughs> when Withings ask people to write in how Withings products have helped them, well, winners have been chosen at random, and Jim, Ken, and Henrik, Henrik, already know that they are the lucky ducks who are going to be getting trackers. But Withings wanted to send big love and many thanks to all who wrote in. Go to PennSundaySchool.com for all the details and the link. So, you know, I've been having a pretty good year. I think I'm going to honor the additional discount. You are? 25 yeah. cents? Yeah, if you send your receipt okay. from Withings, send them 25 cents. I will send you a quarter. <laughs> good thinking. It's time for spring cleaning. Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help you to a way healthier mouth and mind. You know how important brushing your teeth is. Yeah. I mean, if Neanderthals had brushed their teeth more, they might be around now. There a you lot go. of people died of tooth decay. Did you know that? I did not know that. Real dangerous thing. I would have died by now. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. (laughs) The new new kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as our original version with no childish gimmicks so they can brush just like a grown-up. Kids, the new brush is the same as our original version, just tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels the products looks and feels like the products that their adults in their lives use. They're proud to use Quip, help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. I was told by my dentist that um, boys don't really start taking care of their teeth until they want to date girls. <laughs> I'm not saying that's anything to do with, you know, um, the queer movement or anything. I'm sure there's corresponding yeah. things. That's what my dentist said. My dentist may not be woke. He may be hitting the laughing game. That's true. But that's the way he put it. Until they're amorous. Yes, exactly. Uh, amorous is exactly the way to put it. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. We love Quip. We love Quip. It's also a subscription thing, right? You pay very little money. You get a new... Get a new toothbrush. Everything. And, uh, so, he, so, yeah. so I just love Quip. Now, what you love most about it is the way it sticks in the mirror. I love the way it sticks in the mirror because you can travel with it so easily. Mm-hmm. And it sticks right there, and you have it right there. It's a good toothbrush. That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts just 25 bucks. If you go to getquip.com slash pen right now, you can get your first refill pack free. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash pen. Quip, 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 quip. quip. quip, quip, quip. Dry out the, uh, the 
quip and check it out. So there is no, um, there is no Penn and Teller show tonight. No right. Penn and Teller show. Well, you know, my cousin uh, from Louisiana is in town and she has a business she wants to pitch to the two of us. I don't know what you're up to, <laughs> but I would guess anything would be better than that. What kind of business? I don't know yet. I don't know. She just texted me very excited. I got this great, you and Penn are going to be rich. I've got this great idea. Okay. Well, some of us are already rich. <laughs> maybe that's, 50, About 50%. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's why we're being pitched. That's what I worry about. Yeah, that could be. I just spilled tea all over my... So I'm no longer rich. I got to buy a new laptop. I just spilled tea in it. Um, but... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow what the, uh, what the big business idea is. Yeah. Well, maybe she wants to do an um, uh, artisan coffee all over the world. That'd be good. Oh, that's already been done. Maybe <laughs> oh, she wants to deliver packages overnight. Yeah. Maybe she pizza found it in 30 minutes or less. She found out a way to charge even more for avocado toast. <laughs> yeah. She found like an executive. We can do $8 I, <laughs> for my study shows. <laughs> a super diamond level. Uh, my my wife is why there's avocado toast for $24 at the hotel she was staying at. Really? Yeah. <laughs> $24. It was really good avocado. I mean, it's the avocados in Hawaii are legendary. They are. So this week, <laughs> this week coming out, coming to a video place near you is our new video. We've been working on this thing for four fucking years. And uh, you know Randy Pitchford. Of course. And we call him mundane Randy <laughs> because uh, Piff and I had this problem yeah. where um, Randy, amazing Randy, and Randy Pitchford were both in town, both coming to the Piff and Pop show. And we would talk about Randy and get very confused. So we just said from now on, it's amazing Randy and mundane Randy. <laughs> so mundane Randy, Randy Pitchford owns Gearbox. Anything, and we are anything but mundane, by the way. <laughs> anything but mundane. And we are um we are in Borderlands 3. I do the voice for Pain and Terror, which is a two-person group, bad guys in uh, Borderlands 3. And Tellard is a voice of another character, which we won't tell you. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and the new Harry Potter game? Yeah. Harry Potter game, which is a big fucking deal, by the way. Definitely. The new Harry Potter game, one of the places you go to stop off is Nirvana, which is Christy uh, uh, Pitchford's, yeah. Pitchford's coffee, shop. coffee shop. Yeah. It's in the, the game worldwide. Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana is a good name, by the way. It is a great Nirvana. Name. It's also a great spot. We've yeah. been there. They, they gave us coffees with our pictures printed on the top. Yeah, they did. In, in, in foam. foam. Yeah. Coffee and uh, pictures in foam. Photos in foam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they did that. Uh, it's, a, it's a good place. And now it's, uh, it's immortalized in Harry Potter game. But our game, Penn and Teller VR, frankly, unfair, unkind, unnecessary, and underhanded. Why is it called that, Matt Donnelly? Because it spells F-U-U-U-N-U. Yes. F-U-U-U and U is the way it's delivered. <laughs> F-U-U-U and U. Um, and it's a it's a game like long ago we did a, a videotape called Cruel Tricks for Dear Friends. Yes. And the idea was that the video was a tool for you to use to fool your friends. And the great thing about this game is that the first thing – uh, anybody you know that it's a VR setup. Right. The first thing you do with the VR setup is you invite your friends over and you show them how cool the VR is, right? Yeah. So you put the helmet on them and then run a game. Right. Right? To show them how great it is. Well, we got the idea that when you put goggles on someone and they can't see and you're in the room with them, you can fuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we have these incredible... 
incredible uh, uh, demos for you to experience that don't work. Yeah. They're just the person in the room is faking shit. And it's not just pushing you and grabbing you and poking you, although there's some of that. <laughs> it's also loading spiders onto you. Um, <laughs> we also have my favorite one, which I think is borderline illegal. <laughs> is this thing called uh, uh, investment scam, which has no pen and teller stuff on it at all. But you show how you've developed a new way to track hand movements without using controllers in the people's hands. Yeah. And it's a clunky, kludgy demo of something that, if it worked, would be worth a billion dollars. <laughs> and you tell your friend, all you need is 10 grand. <laughs> And you'll be able to get this thing going. Uh, that one is downplayed. I insisted it be in there, but it's downplayed <laughs> because the lawyers for Gearbox, they, this is probably illegal <laughs> to help people, scam people like this. And uh, we also did my favorite uh, game on there, which we really did. No kidding. We really honestly did it. No kidding. Is we said, do you want to be Penn Jillette? Be Penn Jillette in VR. And you go in, you click on it, and you are sitting in a comfortable chair in a well-lit room reading Moby Dick. Ah. And you turn every page, and every page of Moby Dick is in there. Wow. So you can sit as me reading Moby Dick. You see my hands turn the page for you. I thought it was going to be something about like living life at 6-7, but it's just reading Moby Dick. That's what I do. You know that. Yeah. That's all I do. Yeah. Take photos of yourself peeing. Yeah. Oh, that's not included, though. No, huh? Ah, uh, too bad. And then there's also a lot of things that are their their main pushes that are really good, smart uh, ideas. You know, Randy Pitchford was a magician, a professional magician before right. he was a game guy. So we had, and we also had Handsome Jack working on it and uh, Brett uh, Loudermilk, mm -hmm. all working on it, all magicians. And uh, we got really good tricks. Really stuff that'll fool your friends forever. And uh, it's, it's coming out this week. Penn and Teller, VR, frankly, unfair, unkind, unnecessary, and underhanded. If you've got a VR rig, you know, whatever, whatever brand you have, yeah. works, it's on all the different platforms. If you've got a VR rig, you need to get this. It's cheap. I forget what Randy said, but Randy said we're doing it cheap. I don't know what that means. But it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's an inexpensive uh, VR game and also includes Desert Bus. The VR version of the VR version of Desert Bus, where you drive from uh, uh, Phoenix to Las Vegas with a limiter and pull into the right, and you drive all that way as a fuck you to Janet Reno that no one remembers. It's now just this abstract art piece, but it was originally political art, right? It's a political statement because um, when the Clintons hated video games. And uh, Schwarzenegger hated video games. And all those people coming out against video games, the same people that hated rock and roll, just, you yeah. know, 40 years later. Janet Reno, who was uh, uh, attorney general to the United States of America, the one that lit Waco on fire for the Branch Davidians, because they were a crazy cult, because they believed in virgin births. and mm -hmm. Weird you know, weird stuff like weird that. Weird stuff yeah. like that. You know. <laughs> Still, the Raelians crazy. are the least crazy. <laughs> Much less crazy than the Catholic Church. Um, At least there's some chance aliens came here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janet Reno, who lit the Branch Davidians on fire, um, she came out and said that video games should teach people how to do real jobs in real life. And Eddie Gordetsky and I said, 
you know, they could teach someone to be a toll booth operator or to drive a bus. So we get the most boring bus route in the country, and we mapped it all out, and that's the game. When you do eight hours on on, on Desert Bus, you get one point. <laughs> and you ask if you want to drive back. And there's that Desert Bus for Hope in Canada we talk about every year yeah. who, who, who take turns driving Desert Bus to um, to raise money to buy video games for children who are in the hospital. Right. And they've made millions of dollars playing Desert Bus. So Desert yeah. Bus is also available free. You don't have to buy, uh, frankly, unfair, unkind, unnecessary, and underhanded in order to uh, get Desert Bus. You can get that free on Steam. Oh, great. Uh, for charities and stuff. You don't need to remember the name, frankly, unkind, unnecessary, unhanded. All you need to know is Penn and Teller VR game, and you'll be fine. You can buy it. And we are going to do um, Fallon on Tuesday. Tuesday night. Oh, man. Now, I guess I should say this. Teller willing. <laughs> Teller willing, yeah. Everybody seems sure that Teller will be okay. And we could also put him in a wheelchair, get him to the, uh, like the Ramones, put me in a wheelchair, get me to the show. Hurry, hurry, hurry <laughs> before I go loco. I can't control my fingers. I can't control my toes. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And we're doing the bit we're doing on there is Wizard, where Teller just sits in an easy chair. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> and you had already planned to do Wizard. Yes, we had. Although we had, it'd be funnier. <laughs> so we'll be, doing, we'll be doing that. Okay, so I go to Newfoundland. And we all remember how heartbroken, how uh, contrite, how, um, how deeply miserable I was and how guilty I was for uh, trying to set up a joke at the end of Bill, Bill Maher's real time. Yeah. Not setting up the joke successfully, not finishing off the joke, and really just insulting the people that I like most on the planet. That's what I ended up doing, which I hadn't really done since Stern, when I would do that every single show. <laughs> but here I insulted, you know, uh, half a million glorious, wonderful people in a place that I absolutely loved. I insulted them deeply. And now I was going to Newfoundland two or three years later, whatever it was, two years, a year? I don't know. When did two I do? Years, at least two, two years, I think. I think. Yeah. I was going there. So I was a little nervous, but I was putting it out of my head. Okay? So I... You fly, it's a long flight because you have to fly to Montreal or Toronto, Montreal. And once you get to Montreal, you think, well, I, I can get I'm anywhere. Close. I can. Yeah. I'm close. Another three and a half hours. That's how far, you know, to give you an idea, Newfoundland from Las Vegas, over 4,000 miles. Right. That's a ways. Okay. So once you get to New York, you're like a little over halfway there to give you an idea <laughs> how far you're going to Newfoundland. And it's an island, you know. Um, long way to go. So we go to Montreal to fly to St. John's. And we get to St. John's and we've been flying. I started our journey at like noon and we're getting to Newfoundland at uh, midnight, you know, with the four and a half hour time change. And uh, I've been sitting there with my family and my children were, were uh, reading and sleeping. They're very good travelers. And I was watching, of course, Rolling Thunder, the new Bob Dylan movie for the third time right. on the plane and uh, reading and thinking. And I'm in a good mood already to vacation. And a very, very pleasant guy with a very light Newfoundland accent, not heavy at all, very sweet guy, says to me, uh, hey, Mr. Gillette, is this your first time back here since the uh, Bill Maher thing? <laughs> right away. First thing. First thing we land. Very first thing we land. First thing. And I go, uh, yeah, yeah. He goes, ah, no problem. You take care of that. Fine. No problem. Amazing. <laughs> and then we get into the hall, we get into the uh, aisle, and we're kind of just jockeying for who's going to go ahead. And he says, you go ahead, since I said that thing about Bill Maher, which you probably didn't want to think about, and bummed you out. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very, very sweet about it. Yeah. <laughs> very sweet about it, but I still didn't want to hear about it. Then the Bill Maher thing is not mentioned for six days. Oh, wow. Not one person in Newfoundland mentions it. It was wonderful. People recognized me. They were kind to me. It was fabulous. I get on the plane to fly back. No, no. I'm in the lounge getting ready to fly back. Guy comes up and goes, you know, uh, I wanted to write you a fan letter and send you a book. There's a great book on uh, Newfoundland humor. And I wanted to send it to you to help explain what happened on real time with Bill Moore. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely bookend. Absolutely bookended. Perfect. Uh, and then he sat next to me for the whole flight. And he was a great, great guy from St. John's. And his job, get this, his job is he sells lifeboat simulators. <laughs> they have uh boat simulator. Isn't that just a bag that you put over your head? The orange nylon bag. <laughs> Eight degrees of freedom. Okay. All right. So Eight degrees of freedom. A little. Yeah. Wobbles a lot. Yeah. And they uh full lifeboat. Sure. And it gives you the simulation because uh lifeboats are wicked hard to use. And he goes to he's on his way to Norway. Because uh, he has Good to choice. go, he has to go and sell these simulators. And I said, these are for cruise ships. He goes, no, no, no. This is for people like on oil rigs, where they've got to drop the lifeboat, um, you know, fifty feet yeah. into freezing cold water, where they're going to be stuck there for days. And he said they gave it to one guy because lifeboats aren't deployed that much. So they had one guy who had actually been on a lifeboat for two weeks in some sort of disaster. And they put him in it. And they said it completely freaked him out and traumatized him and he could never go near it again. So they think it's successful. <laughs> <laughs> he said that um, on the lifeboat, you're in this lifeboat with like 20 people, 30 people, with both sides closed. And you open it just once a day. And because of the sensory deprivation, uh, when the light and the air flow in, everyone vomits. And he said, so after a couple weeks, they were up to their ankles in vomit sitting in the lifeboat. (laughs) He said, they don't simulate that part. Oh, and he said your sense of smell goes completely. Actually, away. I believe that that's the business my uh, cousin wanted to pitch was us <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> synthetic vomit. Yeah, <laughs> for the lifeboat. This guy was a great guy. He also, I said about Newfoundland, which is amazing. I said, you know, it's the it's the most musical place on earth. You go down the main drag in St. John's, what's it called, Water Street or something, um, and you can stand in one place there, and you hear. This is on like a, like a like a Thursday night. Yeah, you hear disco, death metal, folk music, uh, top ten, rap, all coming out from different bars. Every bar is a place people are playing. And I said to the guy, the the, the uh, music's amazing in Newfoundland. He goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was sixteen, I started a death metal band. And he said we were playing for two weeks. We had a gig. <laughs> so they put <laughs> they put live music on from six in the evening until three a.m. And every bar does it. So everybody's got a gig that wants it. That's great. That was that was when I visited New Orleans. That was what I loved about New Orleans is that they, you just couldn't walk anywhere without hearing live music from somewhere. Newfoundland more so. That's great. More so than New Orleans. Well, it's the same people, right? Same folks, yeah. Same folks. <laughs> uh, everybody plays guitar. Everybody <laughs> plays an instrument. 
and they're doing music all the time. It's, it's, it is one of the greatest places ever, you know? Uh, and, uh, one of the things I was struck by was how international our life is now, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, cause I asked, I asked the guy sitting next to me, um, you know, what are your favorite bands? And he mentioned abandoned Norway, abandoned Denmark, the velvet underground and, uh, Wizard Gizzard and the Lizard Gizzard, the uh, that I never get their name right. That great band in Australia that's a fabulous band. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. no sense of place at all. That's what's so so wonderful. You know, yeah. everything's international. So we're driving through these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vistas. You know, four hour drives of the most beautiful and the most opposite of Vegas you could get. Right. Right. It was like forty degrees. It's really cold. Forty degrees. Uh, humidity, like constant drizzle and pine trees everywhere. As far as you can see, gorgeous, no sand rocks everywhere. Just gorgeous. And we were playing come from away, the soundtrack, which of course I just cry all the time. Right. I cry from beginning to end. And then, uh, my mother-in-law suggests we put on John Denver, almost heaven, West Virginia. <laughs> oh man. Godot's in heaven over here. Yeah. So, which I'm not fond of John Denver. Yeah. I, I wasn't asked. Yeah, I opened for John Denver once. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Before he died in the ultralight, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you get to talk After to him? After would have been a cooler story. After would have been a story. Uh, no, I did not get to talk to him. Although I did get to sit in the front row during sound check and he just played like for 20 minutes just for me and my old juggling partner. Well, that's nice. Really nice. I'm not a big fan of John Denver's music, but as a person, he's one of the greatest people ever, right? That we are the world thing. He got fucked in a, in a terrible, terrible way. You know, he'd been working on world hunger forever. So when they were doing We Are the World... He uh, called up Quincy Jones and those guys and said, I'd really like to be part of this. I've been working on world hunger for a long time. And they, they said, not hip enough. Oh, man. That's a drag. Terrible drag. Terrible. Yeah. And we also listened to Graceland, you know, oh, South yeah. African. Mm -hmm. And I realized that um, I felt so universal. You know, everything was so universal because the people in Newfoundland are wonderful and the culture is wonderful because human beings are wonderful. You know, right? And this is this is they're just the purest, purest human beings and purest culture. We had such a great time. I got a lot more to tell you, but I got to tell you this first. So we went after. You know, I cry. Did you see Come From Away? No, you didn't see it. I did. You did. I went in cold. I told you about this. Yeah, I cry from the first moment to the end. For those who don't know the story of Come to Away, uh, it's called, which I also love, in Newfoundland. They call it the events of September 12th, oh, which yeah, just sure. in itself makes me cry. Um, uh, a town of 4,000 people, Gander, had 8,000 people <laughs> stranded there. Newfoundland, uh, Gander, rose to the occasion like you would not believe. 8,000 people had to stay there almost a week, and they just opened up. I mean, it, the stories are incredible. They said, bring food. And all the supermarkets opened up their doors. People just went and took stuff, didn't pay for it, brought it there to help the people out. People were taking their pantries, emptying them into bags, and just bringing everything to the airport to help people. They were pulling up their cars and just saying, get in. <laughs> no paperwork, no nothing. Get in. You know, they were bringing their closets, saying, who's my size? Who's Because you can have all my clothes. <laughs> people have been on planes for 
two days. Yeah. They said they're the one to burn their socks, you know, and they were just, the people were saying it was just amazing. They just opened up, brought down guitars, <laughs> brought in everything, just gave people, I'm going to cry just talking about, gave people everything. So we went to Gander Airport where it happened. Now, Gander Airport used to be one of the most important places on earth. Because every plane had a refuel in the 50s. Yes. So it was the hippest airport ever. I mean, it's like 2001 modern. Yeah. You know, 2001 Space Odyssey modern. The sculpture and everything, the murals, because they were going to be the biggest airport in the world. And then in the 60s, fuel changed. Jet efficiency got better, yeah. Jet efficiency got better. So no one had to stop in Gander. So now they get a flight, you know, one or two flights a day in Gander. And that's where they were on uh, 9-11 when all these planes had land there from all over the world, had a land in Gander. And we talked, we went there and saw a guy, man, it was so great. Um, I'm going to try to find my, uh, 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 my, uh, my, notes. my notes here. Yeah. We went to we, Jerry. Uh, we got in touch with Jerry and asked for a personal tour of Gander airport. Now Jerry has the Newfoundland accent. We heard a few people singing, and one of the songs they were singing talked about how we have a little trouble with our H's. <laughs> <laughs> Every TH became T. Most of the H's we know were dropped. That's okay. Then the uh, H's were added other places in front of every word that starts with a vowel. <laughs> so there was a mural that they had used egg yolk on to uh, as part of the paints, a part of the temper, okay. tempera paints. And Jerry, our buddy Jerry, who was, I think, should be made king of the world, one of the greatest people I ever met, fabulous guy, who was one of the first people there to open up his house and help out. He's like a equivalent of a TSA guy at Gander. But he saw all the airplanes coming in and went, oh, we got to help these people, right? When I first met him, I thought his accent was a joke. He said, I think... I think I can give you a tour. I think I can. I think I can. And you go, okay. And he goes, I taught. I taught. We were going to, and you just go, what? So he's talking about all the egg wash on this mural. And he says, <laughs> 30,000 eggs. <laughs> and uh, my brother-in-law goes, eggs? He goes, eggs. She goes, eggs? He goes, eggs. I go, eggs? Is your accent for eggs? He goes, eggs. I go like the things from chickens. He goes, Hanks. I go, good. There were 30,000 of them? <laughs> just just the greatest guy in the world. 30,000 Hanks. 30,000 Hanks. 30,000 Hanks. How are, how are people brought all the things out here for the people on the airplanes? <laughs> airplanes. Airplanes. We had the airplanes, all, all the airplanes. Are lined up out there, and I think there's a lot of airplanes. We're going to have to help these people. So we got all the things they needed. So he was there. <laughs> he was there. He was the guy. He's, He's the, the guy. guy. He's the Gander Airport guy. He's the Gander Airport guy. You know, talking about the mayor and the strike of the buses and all that. Yeah. And with that accent, and also on his own schedule. He's giving us the tour of the airport. Mm -hmm. This is where Queen Elizabeth sat when she redid her makeup in the fancy bathroom. And da 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 da. And Emily goes, And what about uh, Come From Away, 9 11? He goes, I'll be getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was able to do a prepared speech that sounded the least prepared of any speech you ever heard. 
<laughs> it was clearly, it was memorized, but he was like Brando. I mean, every thought he was getting for the first, 3,000 Higgs. So for a while after that, I was dropping my H's and putting H before everything. Oh, come on. Yeah. I believe it is the same number of H's. <laughs> Just different placement. Than we There's no H deficit. No age deficit. No, a shuffling, a shuffling of ages. And I just loved Jerry so much. And I also thought, and I, you know, I got in trouble for saying this um, a little bit when uh, when uh, Vegas Strong happened. Yeah, I said when they were talking about how great Vegas was and lining up to give blood. I said in a few interviews. By the way, true for any place in the world. This had happened in yes. Cape Town. This had happened in Minnesota. Yeah. This had happened in Brooklyn. Same thing. Same number of people lined up, you know, same, you know, the, oh, they also said Tim Hortons, Subway, and every restaurant just brought over all the food they had. Brought it all over. <laughs> no accounting whatsoever. Just brought it all over. Now, the other part of this is at the end, they took up a donation and the 8,000 people on the plane. Hundred thousand bucks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to help out the people, and then they've set up a scholarship of a million dollars for people to go to Gander that is self-perpetuating. Mm-hmm. So they've given this huge, huge thing. Both sides are great. I mean, all this is telling you yeah. is that people are great. Yeah, and the Newfoundland culture, because of their accents, because of how they look, you know, they're they're big burly Fisherstock people. You know, they all look like me. You know, it had this sense of um, of being a special event. But I like to think that any place in the world would have done that. You know, yeah. a small town of 4,000 people anywhere in the world, 8,000 people really in trouble. They're going to come out. They're going to do that. It's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. And uh, we had a fabulous, fabulous time. And um, uh, Also, end of note, but they actually did it. They did, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were tested. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 <laughs> they were they were run through that experiment. And, and we can pass with flying colors. Yeah, and no matter if many other people in the world be as good as them, I can say without fear of contradiction, no one would be better. There you go. You could not be more hospitable than they were to those people. Yeah, they were just terrific and loving and wonderful and nice. And uh, a friend, my friend Coleman Decay. He has a really good friend who was one of the people who was up there. And she says, I, you could not imagine the hospitality. They just they had grills going, cooking up food for us. Uh, they were just bringing in guitars. The people that worked there, the, the, the locals, went, you know, 36, 40 hours without sleeping. Oh my Jerry God. said he went 30 hours, took a four-hour break, came back, did another 30. That's great. You know, I mean, they were just cooking and giving people stuff and just, you know, they finally had to say, stop bringing toilet paper and food. We just have too much here. <laughs> that's people just gave crazy. everything. It was just, just <laughs> wonderful. And now I have on my hat, I have a little pin that says Gander. It was just nice. a great, great place to be. And Jerry was just wonderful. And Jerry at the end, very kindly, very, very sweetly asked to get a picture with me because he watches Scorpion. Yeah, <laughs> that's his show, and he loves the therapist character. Didn't mention fool us. <laughs> didn't mention bullshit. Yeah. Didn't mention anything else. Not Celebrity Apprentice. He likes that therapist on Scorpion, there you and go. he's very angry. Just so you know, 
very angry they canceled Scorpion. Yeah. He is unhappy. That was one of his stories. He liked it. I really, I am, I, I, I share his sentiments. I really want to see where your character was going. <laughs> I did too. There's a real, really uh, did. A real arc building with that. I, I really did too. I got so much more to talk about yeah. for the, uh, for, uh, for the trip to Newfoundland. I'll tell, uh, I'll tell one more thing. We went to Sean Sullivan's kitchen concert. Well, I was, so let's tease the next episode. A lot of people want to know about you having Copperfield on Fullness. Oh yeah, we're going to get to that. So so we'll tease that, yeah. Yeah, you should watch you should watch uh Fool Us. It's Monday nights 8 o'clock, CW. Yeah. CW app is available, easy you can just get it and it's free. You can just get 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 watch it on CW app, yeah. Watch it. And uh we did very well in the ratings. Good. Crazy well. And the Copperfield show uh Handsome Jack wrote to me. He said he loved the Copperfield. Well, we did in the Copperfield. Okay, I'll get to the I'll get to the more Newfoundland stuff the next show. We'll do the Copperfield thing now. Handsome Jack wrote to me and said uh, he loved the Copperfield hunk, where we had Copperfield sit where we were. We went out in front of him, tried to fool him. Right, that was the gag. Yeah. And he thought that the angle that we played of us being really nervous was a really good angle. Ha! And I had to tell Handsome Jack, and I think you'll vouch for me here. Yeah, that was no angle. <laughs> we were scared fucking spitless. And I mean really spitless. Yeah. They had to bring me water before I could talk <laughs> on the Copperfield. Because I'll tell you, you sit there in the judge's chair, and there's a lot of pressure on us to bust yeah. people and to figure it out. And it's really nerve-wracking. But you see, as we've seen, whatever it is, 200 people yeah. up there in front of us, and um, you have empathy for them. You feel them being nervous and you understand that they're nervous and you're worried about what I'm going to say and if we can bust them. Yeah. But standing up there with a trick, with Copperfield going to watch it and trying to fool him, Teller was trembling like I haven't seen him in 20 years. Yeah. My mouth was bone dry. I had to be given a drink. Uh, I had to have water there for me. I was trembling. We could barely handle the cards. It was not an angle we were playing. It was the real fucking deal. It was also a real deal around the whole show as a whole. Like, uh, he'd been on the radar for different types of appearances before, but the fact that this was definitely happening and successful. All of a sudden, it was like a very different feeling on set across the board. And also with the format change. The, the show is run like a game show behind the scenes. And so like where you guys walk and where contestants walk mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so how true to the show we're going to be, where do we hide Copperfield? Do we hide him from you guys? Do we, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And then all of a sudden he watching Copperfield walk around the Penn and Teller theater, like on the, in your hallways and your green rooms, like just like looking back and just kind of taking it all in. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's a guy with his own theater. He just was like, looks like, Where'd you get this? How much is this? He just—he was yeah, yeah, so exactly. curious about all of your shit. Like he's yeah. kind of like, "Hey, I, I want this too." Yeah. Kind of stuff. He, yeah, he like, like really. He, he likes some stuff. Yeah, this he is, likes some of the stuff about your theater. And he had his guys there going, yeah. "Do this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Measuring <laughs> stuff. Measuring yeah. the David Copperfield sofas. Theater should look more like the Penn and Teller Theater. <laughs> oh, you mean it should be bigger? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but seeing him on the couch with the earpiece in yeah. while we're talking to Allison. And seeing him and wondering what he had, oh, man, nerve. You've been through it. Yes. You've been through it. I mean, it, it was crazy. Like, uh, it was also funny. Like, you know, first, you guys are, you're authentically nervous, and he is so uh, nice. And then um, what happens, uh, we'll, we'll talk candidly a little bit, yeah? Sure. So he, he was told to memorize a card, 
and then he didn't. <laughs> it was such a huge lockdown. So when he finally, like, you were nice. It was funny. He came and sat down. We got a couple of shots. And all of a sudden, it was like, boom, time for the trick to happen. And holy shit, the tension in the room when Copperfield sat down on that, on that chair and you guys started to begin to do a magic trick for Copperfield. Yeah. It was it was authentically thick as shit in the room. Like Everyone was like, oh my God, it's going down. <laughs> and then he just says, oh, I, I didn't remember the card. I didn't remember the card. <laughs> and I, I was the only one who was like, I'm going to go tell him. Like Everyone was like, was like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> I was like, oh, but then we had to start over and start the trick over. And I thought it was hilarious that we had to start the trick over. Because <laughs> Copperfield, of all people, didn't remember the card that he selected. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and part yeah. of my patter was to say, we don't have to give you all this stuff about making sure you do everything right, because we know you're going to. Yeah. And then he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I tweeted a photo that I took because I thought it was funny. That he'd done the whole thing. They taped everything. Are we doing no spoiler on the results? Do no spoiler. On no the spoiler on the results. But anyways, the result came down. Mm-hmm. And the result had to be reshot to make sure that it came down the way it came down. Yeah. <laughs> we also were prepared backstage for the opposite results. Mm-hmm. Like word had come like around that Rob, the stage manager, was getting things ready because it was not going to be the result uh, that we thought, mm-hmm. which was also crazy to watch. And then, okay, great. We got it all. We kept everything. We did everything. Then I, the picture on my Twitter account is of Teller and Copperfield talking five minutes after Copperfield's completely wrapped. And they're still talking about it. <laughs> they're still going back and forth about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, you can, you will confess to this, I think. You had like a, like a all day email exchange that followed from that all other. Day, all day. So, so the result of this was not actually fully confirmed till about 12 hours after it had right, all taken right, place. Right. It was not until 12 <laughs> hours later that, um, that the. The, the party that won and the party that lost agreed that We're that was what happened. <laughs> it yeah, took a nice. lot longer than, than Teller, Teller made it appear. Teller was, um, uh, uh, Teller needed to be beaten down a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it yeah. was, uh, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty intense. And yeah. th- that was also a good show. We had the rat trap guy, right? Yeah. You had, uh, uh Jan came out, uh, did a rat traps, Jan reindeer, reindeer, reindeer. I don't know. He's a foreign guy, but however you pronounce it. Foreign guy. He blindfolds walking through rat traps, like a memorized pattern of rat traps that Allison had put out out of rat traps. Yeah. There was a little flack from blowback on Twitter that the blindfold wasn't examined. Uh, and we think that's horseshit, the blindfold examination thing, right? Right. Because even if it's examined, it's still be fake. Yeah. And usually with <laughs> the blindfolds, it's not even why that works anyway. Yeah. But uh, what I think the audience didn't know is how you had a similar idea years ago, and that's why you instantly loved it. Like you're glowing... Uh, hey, yeah, I knew that would work. <laughs> your glowing love of the trick really took people off guard. Yeah, because everybody thought it was kind of like a little like weird showmanshipy see, thing. See, I knew it could work. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it was a good idea. A lot of people thought you were going to try to take him down to Chinatown, and you were like, "said like that's great. I love rat traps." <laughs> well, here's what I'll tell you a story. Yeah, of how crazy I am. Back in San Francisco, so this has been 1981. Yeah. Uh, we were doing well. Our show was running well. I was whatever I was. What about what was I then? 20, 24 yeah, years I old. I saw your show. Yeah. yeah. 24, 25 years old. 26, I guess. And, you know, I had a, I was making good money. I had a successful show. I had an apartment. And I was not a coffee drinker. Didn't drink a lot of caffeine. And I decided to go out and buy myself a coffee maker and coffee. And I was going to make a Mr. Coffee drip coffee and drink that like a grown-up. 
Yeah. I also had this idea of doing a trick with a lot of mousetraps. So I went out and bought 50 mousetraps and I had my coffee table. I was alone and I made this pot of coffee. And the album by a band called Half Japanese, Jad Fair and David Fair, came out with their three-record set called Half Gentlemen, Not Beasts. Uh, if anybody's aware of that album, it is absolute jangly noise music. It is one of the most annoying, irritating records you can have. <laughs> it's screaming, it's banging, it's out of tune, and I loved it. I had my B&O 4002 turntable. Really nice mm -hmm. turntable. I had my Dahlquist speakers that had been mirror imaged <laughs> by Dahlquist. Uh, I had good insulation in my apartment on O'Farrell Street. I had it turned up loud. So three record set of half Jap Japanese, half gentlemen, not beasts. Brutal record. Three record sets, six sides, long time. A huge pot, huge pot of brewed drip coffee by a guy who doesn't drink coffee or caffeine. The whole pot sitting there, a cup. I listened to half Japanese and I drank an entire pot of coffee when I wasn't used to caffeine. Then I had 30, 40 mousetraps set on the table <laughs> in front of me. And I was trying to see what I thought could be funny and a good trick by setting one off, having moving my finger out of the way quickly, having a set of the ones off. Within... 45 minutes of that, I had close to a complete breakdown. I was speeding. <laughs> I was speeding like a freak. I was shaking. I had an upstairs stomach. I was about the mouse traps. The music's going. <laughs> it was incredible. But I knew that there was an idea. Yeah. In the mouse traps. So when I saw this person who was not speeding out of his head on Mr. Coffee, <laughs> not listening to half Japanese, actually having an idea that people were liking, I was over the moon. Yeah. Who else do we have that show? You had uh, uh, Giancarlo Berdini, who uh, magicians and non-magicians agree and almost say right away that he's too good looking to be doing magic. Yeah, yeah. Big, big Everyone mistake. just goes, he just, and he's back for a second time. Really just rubbing in how good looking he is, I he's think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. Uh, that on was his trick. <laughs> and you know, he would do a card trick and get laid with it. He yeah. would say, see, magic does work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. His <laughs> DVD comes out and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Andre Pashnika. Andre Pashnika? who was a, 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 a fooler coming back, mm -hmm. had the thing with a dung beetle. And do you remember he spontaneously caught a dung beetle in his mouth? It like It like hopped yeah, up yeah. and he caught it in his mouth and ate it. That's it, He fooled you again. Yeah. But he would fool anyone who catches a dung beetle in their mouth and, and eats it and shows how horrible it is. Yeah, he ate a dung beetle. And Allison confirmed that it is indeed a disgusting odor that emits from a dung beetle when you eat it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is ah. It is the best misdirection, best ballsy misdirection there is. Poor Allison uh, <laughs> did not know yeah. that part of her pay was hazard pay. <laughs> she has been disgusted. Yeah. Placing the mouth straps, smelling dung beetle breath. It was a, it was a weird, uh, it, was a, it was a crazy trick. And he's a crazy eccentric guy. Yeah. And he's authentically that guy. He doesn't, he doesn't turn it Some magicians have a character that they turn on. Yeah, yeah. Talking to him, well, I like, was what's like, what's his name? The the, uh, the guy who has the character, the guy who did the uh, uh, the the quarter in his eye. Oh, oh yeah, Dan Sperry. 
uh, Dan Sperry. Yeah, yeah. Dan yes. Sperry is the craziest guy you'll ever see on stage. Yeah. And backstage, just polite and sweet and nice. Yeah, nice. Very sweet. Nice very sweet. No, he would come back and be like, maybe bring up butterflies. Like when I'm doing pre-interview, like he would just pace up to me and be like, maybe bring up, bring up sailboats and then walk away. <laughs> like, okay. And I'd write down sailboats and be like, did I go to Allison before the interview? I was like, sailboats might come up. Like it was, he was nuts. He was nuts. Well, he's eating dung beetles. Yeah. He's authentically, he's, he's authentically demented. It was really great. He's a really great performer. <laughs> We're going to talk uh, much more, more about Newfoundland and maybe a little bit about Bob Dylan. Right out. Oh, that was Ben Sunday School. <laughs> right cha, after cha, these cha. three days. <laughs> you become naked. Now, it was very clear, even though I said all people are good, that my love of Newfoundland is unfounded. Yes. It is as wide open as the open cliffs as looking the at the Atlantic Ocean of Newfoundland. <laughs> Basically, you said anyone can earn your affection. Newfoundland did. Exactly. That's what I said. Great place. We got a lot more. I'm going to talk about Sean Sullivan. You got to hear about Sean Sullivan. And I, I love you all as much as Newfoundlanders love you. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against a shock if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us.